there are people you meet who you're just drawn to and they're so easy to connect with. Easy vibe, super smart doer. You know, I'm always drawn to people who are out there doing something. Today's guest, Deb Cummins-Stilato, she's doing so many things. She's a life and leadership coach for women in midlife. She's the creator of The Pivot Project, and she's the host of the Think Courageously podcast. And she's a Jersey girl, and that may have been what I sensed about her right off the bat. Uh, You know, but today we're talking about pivots. They come in all sizes, and they work on a continuum. And we're talking about courage. Deb shares her story with us, how courage came to be a pillar in her life and her business, and what she's learned from interviewing courageous women. The threads of characteristics that she brings up are really intriguing. So I'm sure you're going to see yourself in some of these. Stay tuned for my talk with Deb Cummins-Stilato. You're listening to The Long Game Podcast with Sandra Scaiano. In a world where everyone is doing, it's easy to get lost in a sea of comparison, secret tricks, and promises of overnight success. The Long Game is my approach to business. The actual day-in and day-out philosophy that you have to show up, You have to do the work, and there's no quick fixes for long-term success. I'm a web designer, digital strategist, and energetic thinker, and I'm here to share the process and lessons I experience with my clients daily who are going through the same struggles of building a business as you are. We'll hear from successful entrepreneurs sharing their long game strategies, and I'm fun, so we're going to have a little fun along the way too. Thanks for being here. Let's get to today's episode. Hi and welcome. Our guest today is Deb Cummins-Stilato. She is a life coach and the creator of the Think Courageously podcast. So I'm so excited to have you here, Deb. Welcome. Well, I am so excited to be here with you. And um, I'm so obsessed with what you're doing and how you're supporting women. So I feel very honored to be here, actually, my fellow Jersey girl. Yeah, totally. Well, you know, I, I had mentioned that your exit 168, which is my current exit now. I was exit nine for growing up and now I'm I'm up north. So it's a Jersey thing. It really is the Jersey thing with the exits, but hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. So I want to introduce you to my audience also as the princess of pivots, the lover of change. And that's something I really want to talk about because obviously we have been in a year of pivots coming out of 2020. That was like the year, although pivots wasn't invented then or for that, everybody had some sort of pivot that they did. So we want to address that. And then I want to talk about like, how did you get into that? Like, how did that become, what's your story and your background from, you know, working in corporate and nonprofits and then bringing you to this place of pivots and courage? So I have a very windy story of how I got to where I am. And I spent a lot of time thinking about this. I'm pretty fearless when it comes to my career. I have always been somebody who said yes in every opportunity that I've had. So like, actually, my first job was in student affairs in higher education. And I had lunch with the person that was the dean of students when I was there. And he's like, well, do you want to take a 
an interim position here and be the associate director of housing? And I said, yes. And uh, so I did that, which started me off for a career. I spent 15 years in higher education. But, you know, it's interesting that pivot happened after 9-11 because we are Jersey girls. And even though I was living in Pennsylvania at the time, I was in a really bad marriage at that moment. And I was in a job that was requiring me to work 24-7. I was dealing with a lot of students in emergencies. And my daughter was in third grade. And I felt like, you know how we talk about the jar and the pebbles and like what you put in your... Well, she was like freaking hanging out of that jar. She was done. She, you know, I was not doing the best that I could as a mom. So for me, that pivot was really about alignment. And I was, I just said enough is enough. Like after 9-11, for me, that was a pretty big God wink that something can happen to us any day. And we need to, you know, people, right. For so many people, like it's funny because people say, well, you weren't there. And I said, well, I don't know if that really matters. Like I've watched it play out on TV. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and because I had so many people in my life that were commuting back and forth to New York or that lived in New York, I just felt, I feel like all of these things that we're faced with in the news inform us and, you know, remind us of things. So that's been part of the pivot story. I did other things in between, but I'll share two other things about the pivot. So I had an opportunity. I was raising money for a small private school, wasn't really having a great time doing that. And somebody, a friend of a friend told me about a job opening at Habitat for Humanity of the Lehigh Valley. And I hadn't been in the nonprofit space before, but I was like, I'm curious about this. I'll look Mm -hmm. into it. And I said yes to that. And that job ended up being like a pathway because within six months, I was the full-time executive director and I served in that place for seven years. Mm -hmm. And then finally... The other pivot that happened to me, I don't really think was my choice in pivot. I decided to leave Habitat when I had had enough, when I felt like I was becoming Habitat. If I went to the grocery store, I was like, oh, Deb from Habitat, Deb from Habitat. I started pivoting then. I started started working on my business. But on September 19th, 2018, my mom suffered a catastrophic fall. It was, I had been there the night that it happened, went home. We live a half hour apart. It was the Jewish holiday. She had a catastrophic fall and she died 24 hours later. Oh my God. And I never in 1 million years was ready for that pivot. And so that has helped give me context to like pivots we choose, pivots we don't choose Mm -hmm. and the continuum of pivots. Yeah, that's, I was going to point that out, that you really were so uh, pointed in your words of this pivot was my choice and this pivot happened to me. So that's really interesting that that's a differentiator of, I mean, it makes sense, but it's, it's how we navigate through things, you know, life happens and we have to respond. Right. Some things you make a conscious choice of. Yeah. And in the pivot project and all the work that I do around pivots and the Think Courageously community, what I think is important about pivots is that they live on a continuum. And, you know, every pivot isn't a full pivot. Every pivot mm-hmm. isn't like, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to change this. And, you know, 
life is going to, I'm just going to quit my job. I actually did that on 9-11. I literally woke up the next day, left my marriage, went back home to Jersey and quit my job and was like, screw it. I mean, I I worked in Talbot's and I was really good at it. And Uh they gave me, led me to some other things, but that was like, I'm done pivot. That was, that was a full full turn. Yes. When I hit my wall, I'm like, I'm out and it's complete. There's no looking back. (laughs) Yeah, I'm done. But with the women that I work with, and I do a lot of coaching with women, a lot of women who are middle-aged women, let's just say, who are internally, there's something going on that they feel like they want to move forward. So that little moving forward can be, it can start intuitively and then can start with really small actions. And so that becomes a little bit of a tweak. It can become, you know, I might try something and it doesn't work. So I go and do a U-turn back to what I was doing, right? And I think that happens a lot for solopreneurs, right? We're like, I don't know if I want to do this. And I stop doing it. And then I go back to it. Sometimes it's refocusing. So I mean, interestingly enough, I run something called the Pivot Project, which is group coaching. And that group, we spent six months together. And half of that group decided to actually stay where they were, but just refocus on how they were showing up in terms of alignment. Which is really interesting. And then finally, there's that big, huge full pivot. And so, this is all the continuum. These are like almost the levels of the continuum. You know, you, you might they tweak are. something, you're, you're looking at it. So, this is what you're referencing in terms of that. And that's an interesting concept because we do tend to think of the pivot, and I'll let you explain, get back to the full pivot, but as the full pivot, you know, the major change, the I'm done, everything looks different tomorrow pivot. But it's really a process. It is. And I find the more that women work on, and this this is applicable to anybody, you know, through coaching, we oftentimes do work on vision and values. Interestingly mm-hmm. enough, how that, you know, segues into to what you do. But when people really are forced to look at their values and create a value proposition and create that compass for their life, it becomes much easier to understand what that intuition inside of you is all about. Like, what I'm feeling this isn't working has to do with the fact generally that I'm out of alignment with my values. And I've got to do something to get back in alignment and be ready to take action. I love that. I love that whole concept because, you know, it is once you really identify what your core values are and what's driving you, like that helps you set up your boundaries. What's right? What's acceptable to you? And when you start to feel pushback on it, you know, that's where the stomach comes in. (laughs) You know, all of those emotions come in. So that's something that we've been addressing a lot in this past year. I did a whole episode on boundaries because that was like a big realization for myself that like boundaries aren't just, you know, where you're kind of drawing the line in that, they have a negative connotation. Actually, they're freeing. You know, I think boundaries are about freedom because once you understand your own personal boundaries and what your core values are, you're able to act freely within them rather than be restricted. Yeah, I love that. You know, I think it's such a challenge and it's even more of a challenge now where we are because especially for entrepreneurs and solopreneurs, we might be spending so much more time alone, at home, working on our businesses, everything gets blurred. What day of the week is it? I have no idea. (laughs) You know, 
I'm just right. my day. I'm recording just in like, my bedroom because my kids are home from school. Right, our homeschooling, you know? Exactly. <laughs> like who thought, right? That in that boundary, oh my God, so crazy. And it's also funny because I think that boundary is also, there's a piece of it that's finding your voice. And so one of the things mm-hmm. that I see in the women that I work with is that regardless of where they're working or what they're doing, when they get clear about their vision and values, they're able to show up differently. And when you show up differently, you get exponentially different results. You know, when you're mindful Mm -hmm. of that and you're like, you know what, I got a choice in this game and I don't like the way that I've shown up. And so I'm going to choose a different way to show up. And then I'm going to see if I can get alignment. And I'm going to do that before I make a full pivot on something. You know, it's kind Mm -hmm. of like owning your own responsibility in a situation. And I think that also has the domino effect, right? Like when you get clear on that and you show up, then all the other pieces sort of fall into place. It feels good. You may get over that hurdle of like the uncomfortable, but then things start to fall into place because you're exactly where you're supposed to be type of thing, you know? Exactly. I love that concept. And I'm a big, uh, you know, everything, the universe is helping you. You're exactly where you're supposed to be, exactly what you're supposed to be experiencing. So let's talk a little bit. You mentioned your uh, your podcast, Think Courageously, and that work that you're doing. Like, how did you know pivots and courageous? Obviously, you need some courage to make a change and to to look inward at yourself. So, you know, why courageous as like your platform? Yeah, I shared a little bit of the story about my mom, and mm-hmm. I was actually. After she died, I had I had actually paid for it before she had died, but I had signed up to go through the coaching program, my coaching program. And as I was going through that process, something freed up in me. And it had to do a lot with my mom was really like my everything. Mm-hmm. But she was also my biggest supporter. And I also did a lot of self-editing around her. You know, I... <laughs> Right. I'm sure people relate to that. Right. Right. So (laughs) and I'm reading the secrets of the secrets of successful women, which is all about imposter syndrome. And we're using that in my book club next month. And that's what I want to talk more about. Yeah. So that but that was what's interesting is that I realized that I was doing this self-editing and I always wanted to show up as, you know, being super competent. And I do believe that was fully driven by having a mom who had two master's degrees and a PhD from Columbia and me, you know, my not realizing I was smart till I was 30. You know, my brother went to Penn and my father was a lawyer who went to Cornell. And I just was like the free spirit of the family. Right, right. But I had suppressed a lot of like really who I was. And that didn't resurface until I was going through the coaching process, which so weird that like my coaching process was part of my grief process, but really, really interesting, right? So interesting, right? And so I started to play around with this idea of like, how I had shown resilience and other things. And Mm -hmm. I played around a lot with what the platform would be trying to figure out the branding of it. And I played around with words like grit and persistence. And since I knew brave was kind of taken by somebody who gets paid a lot of money. I was like, oh, I'm going to land on courage because the more I studied courage, the more it really represented something different to me. And I worked with our mutual 
very dear, most special friend, April Patrie. I never say her name right. April Patrie. I never say it right. I can't say it. (laughs) To get my story together. And then Uh what we did was we explored that. I ended up taking, think courageously, to really three foundational pieces, which are how women see success, courage, and pivots, how those three things intertwine with one another. And that has really helped me build the brand that I have and that I'm really proud of. And are you, you know, you've mentioned in our previous talks about, you know, the characteristics of a courageous woman. Like, do you have certain, not benchmarks, but characteristics that you're looking for or that show up for you and help you say, like, identify people in terms of that? Well, I think where I really help women is in what I would call the delta between wanting to be courageous Mm -hmm. and being courageous and the women right they know that it's there they know that it's there and they want it for themselves but they haven't made the leap over exactly so I created a couple things one is for my audience I have a quiz that people can take the think courageously quiz which I can also make sure everyone has a link to and you know it's just 20 questions and it's really showing up like, are you the cowardly lion or are you my more like, you know, Helen Reddy, I am woman, hear me roar, or mm-hmm. are you even further down there willing to tell your story to other people? And so I think on the podcast, the women that have come into my life, you being one of them, your show launches, I think it's next week or the following but. What I found with women who are willing to show up and talk about Think Courageously are really 10 characteristics that they seem to have that intertwines their stories together. Mm. So you want to hear a few of those? Yes, I'd love it. I'm like, share with us. I'm ready to see where I fall, right? Okay. So one of them is that pivots come in all shapes and sizes, right? So again, what we just talked about. Huge. Right. Right. Another one is finding your tribe, Mm -hmm. which women who end up thinking courageously, find other women to practice courage with in some way or another, Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, through virtual communities, through having mentors, professional networks. And that is so important for all of the growth and all of the fulfillment. And I think that's been one of the pieces that was the hardest for in the past with the pandemic has been a lot of, we've had to shift our communities to a different way to connect versus in person. I think you and I talked about this on your show, which is, you know, you like really develop these deep friendships on Mm -hmm. a digital platform that it's just crazy, right? So that happens for these women. Another one is courageous women seem to be mindful of who are making the rules in their lives. So good. They want to make their own rules. Like, you know, Uh people will say, well, I have a family and I have a husband. And yeah, I mean, you should have collective rules for how your family works and how your relationships work. But owning your own rules is pretty powerful as a measure of courage. That is so interesting because I think there's even levels of that. You know, like I think about my own experience where I say, oh, I do make a lot of my own rules. But when you mentioned like, you know, the family, like I might say, oh, we're not going to go in the Winnebago and travel because of my family. You know what I mean? Like, so there's levels of like what I allow myself and what I don't even, you know, like I allow myself so many rules and make so many plans and set those things for myself. And then I can look back also and say, ah, you know, I always am like, that's not you know, my family isn't that type or blah, blah, blah. 
Well, that goes Which back I'm to like, the back. Oh, I'm an adventurer. I would love that. <laughs> All right. We're going on a road trip, girl. But it's um, <laughs> it's interesting because it goes back to what you were talking about with boundaries also. When you're in a place where you're out of alignment because somebody else is making the rules, that's pretty important mm-hmm. in the courage conversation. Another one is invest in working on you. And so people, I really do find that women get to a place of courage by investing, like literally spending money on, you know, being in communities or being taking trainings or really growing, like being an example of growth. I personally feel as a coach, I've had a coach since I started this process. Completely. Right. And I still have coaches like you, you need to continue it. I'm never not having a coach only because, you know, even like there's just that continuum of what you get out of it. So, and you know that, and it's almost like, how can you profess working with people when you're not doing that piece yourself? Like there's always that betterment piece. Absolutely. And it changes. I mean, it changes, Uh right? Another big one is practicing gratitude. Mm-hmm. So the women who I've met through my show are always just so grateful that they're grateful because they are where they're supposed to be, I think, first and foremost. But they're also really grateful for the people that supported them along the way. Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit about pivoting towards alignment through action. Another one is being resourceful. And one of the things that I see with these women and myself doing is like, we're pretty scrappy. Like we figure it mm-hmm. out. Right. I love the idea that so many of us are like, all right, I'll learn how to do this. It's kind of like your story about coding, you know, how right. you decide to learn how to code. Like you figure it out. You work yeah, it through. You just sit down and you start. I mean, that's do always it. the biggest piece. You just have to start taking that step or else you are, you're never going to get there. You know, if you never progress. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. This one I love, which is that authenticity is how you pay courage forward. You know, I think. That is so freeing, right? So mm-hmm. I don't have it all together. Oh my God. I do not do not have my shit together all the time. Oh, I didn't mean to say that, but you're good. You're good. Okay. I don't I just don't. And yep. I'm okay showing up that way because I feel like to model thinking courageously and to support women thinking courageously, if I was just faking it, it would be a disaster and mm-hmm. it wouldn't feel right for me and it wouldn't serve them. And it's about that energy and that energy exchange. Like when you are being authentic, like there is something exuding from you. There's an inspiration. I mean, that that was a lesson. I love that you brought this point up because it was it's one that really sticks with me. It's a lesson that takes a little time to learn. I mean, maybe that comes more with age and the caring less about what people think or things like that. But, you know, it's about just being settling in and being okay with who you truly are you know, and just letting, releasing all of that other stuff so that you can be inspirational. You can, you know, people can take that energy from you and, you know, that you're sharing, not just taking. So I think, you know, for me, I love that you said that. It's also interesting because, you know, I am uh, certified in uh, Brene Brown's work and she talks so much about vulnerability, right? Mm -hmm. And sharing stories. And we have been with April and Lightbeamers. We practice a lot of that storytelling. But one of the things that I had to learn was being authentic wasn't necessarily doing like this full dump of everything that's ever happened to me. No, no, no. Right. Right. That was like, I remember, and she'll tell you my first call with April. I was like, yeah, and that happened. And then I got divorced. And then this happened. And that 
it's really like you are authentic and you're being, you share the pieces, you know, I share regularly. I think that also helps. Mm-hmm. And at the right time, you know, at the right time, meaningful and they make sense completely. completely. Yeah, exactly. The next one is eat an elephant one bite at a time. And <laughs> I really learned that one. There's one of my shows is a woman who's literally been living with cancer for 30 years. And she's just a remarkable human. And the only way, she said, the only way that she's been able to deal with this and to be the incredibly creative human being that she is, is by eating the elephant one bite at a time. And I would say for every woman that I talk to around thinking courageously, it kind of ties to your long game concept, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you can't, I, you, right, you can't just turn around and do it all. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I say to my clients all the time, and this goes back to why we also need communities. I mean, it ties into so much is we can't know it all. Like it's impossible to know about every tool as an entrepreneur or know this. And that's why these come togethers or listening to a podcast or being in a mastermind or just even having a group of friends that get together to share your experiences, you can't know it all, you know? So that's the same idea of like eating an elephant one bite at a time because you're, you're taking that pressure off yourself of having to have all the answers all the time. And, you know, with the elephant one bite at a time, you are working in steps. You're moving forward. You're progressing. Absolutely. And uh, right, we try, we fail, we get up, we try, we fail, we get up the whole nine yards. I think the last (laughs) one also is pretty huge, which is around, you know, the final one, which really, really is loud for thinking courageously. It's the roar of the lion, S that I use, is really trusting your intuition. And women who think courageously, they trust their intuition. They listen to the universe. They don't dismiss those things that are happening in their lives that are giving them a clue about what they need to do. And again, I remember in your story, you know, your story of what happened, you know, you had to make that pivot that Friday that you went to work, but you also really trusted your intuition. And I think there are many women who are afraid of their intuition that feel like uh, that feeling of, I'm out of control or Mm -hmm. I don't have enough data points. You know, I'm going to keep waiting till I get more. You know, I'm going to wait till like I feel better or I'm going to wait until this is over or I'm going to wait until my daughter gets married or I'm going to wait, blah, 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 blah. Well, because the intuition is forcing you to move into an an area you're not comfortable with. It pushes you into the uncomfortable realm. A hundred percent. Challenging you. (laughs) Yeah, in every way. So it's not woo-woo, right? It's not woo-woo to talk about it. It's just like, pay attention. Pay attention to what's happening externally and then really pay attention to what's happening internally. And that's on both sides because a lot of times too, I want to just mention that when we talk about intuition, we'll say, oh, that the feeling of the pit of your stomach kind of thing. But I also, in that pay attention piece, want to say, it's the highs that you're getting. Like, I'm enjoying this. Like, there are times that I'm working and I'm like, I'm smiling, you know, like I, I consciously realize like I'm enjoying this, you know, <laughs> like those things are also the intuition and the clues and the physical piece that say, keep doing this type of stuff. Because when we have to look at our world and we're debating which way to go, 
And then we say, I don't know. Well, well, you do know because you what feels good also, not just what is saying, don't go that way. Exactly. That's really what the lessons are. And most of the women that I've worked with through the podcast have definitely had a bunch, if not all of these characteristics. And what I think is interesting is that the women who show up in my community are women who want some of that, right? They want to figure out, that sounds really cool. Who doesn't want to be this lioness? Who doesn't, you know, I think my tribe is women who want to get unstuck and who have that intuition that something needs to change and need that little extra support to get there. And it brings us right into another concept that you deal with of redefining success. Like what does the life you want look like? So many of us have walked away from the corporate ladder to create something on our own. And in the corporate world, success looks a certain way, but it it can be anything when you're creating it for yourself. Yeah. I don't really know when I started this journey of my own business, if I really was clear about what that was going to look like, because I had launched a, when I left, when after 9-11 and I restarted, I just, I started this consulting thing and I had no business plan. I had a lot of trusting my intuition and some things go right, but I didn't really, I wasn't mindful of it. And then I ended up going back to higher education and fundraising. But I think with my business now, I got pretty clear about it and I was able to set some goals. And yeah, I sort of been blown away. And part of it has been working and getting the support that I needed from coaching. Mm -hmm. But, you know, my goal when I started was, you know, could I make as much money as I did when I left Habitat as a CEO? And listen, that's not a bazillion dollars, right? But No, but it's a benchmark, right? It's a benchmark. And last year in 2020 with the pandemic, you know, my dad died 364 days after my mom. And then six months after we go into lockdown and I was like, oh shit, I cannot do this again. I do not have the energy to do it. But Mm -hmm. I really started showing up serving other people. And that just coming to business in a place of service really changed the game on my Mm -hmm. business. Mm -hmm. And I ended up building a business that was a six-figure business and a 65% increase during this time when like literally my life had fallen apart. So, and a business that I love. love. I love it. I love what I do like you. And I love hearing that story because it just, it's possible. Like that's what we talk about a lot. Like It is possible to do this, but again, you have to be courageous. You've got to take the first step. You've got to start and have a direction to move into. I'm so happy for you. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, it's nice that you do get to choose what success looks like to you and you've created it, even though things happen to you, happen in your life that are beyond your control. That's really a positive. And I know you've really created this uh, unique community as well. One of the things, and you had mentioned it, that you do a book club. Tell us a little bit about that and a little bit about your community. Sure. So my community is Think Courageously on Facebook. Facebook, One of the things that's super fun that we do in that is we do a book club. And I don't pick the book. I have the women in my community suggest books to read. 
you know, from the lens of thinking courageously, like we're not talking about the writing, we're not talking about did I like it? Did I not like it? But knowing my the pillars of courage, success and pivots, let's suggest books. So women suggest the books, then the whole community votes on the book. And then we read that book. So we've read the first one I picked, which was Untamed, which is if you haven't read it, it's amazing. But we've done everything from Braving the Wilderness to the one we're reading this month, which is The Secrets of Successful Women. And we meet quarterly. I would say, you know, we're we're oh, together that's quarterly. That's a little less pressure. Yeah, monthly. I'm in a book. book club of, and I know they might listen to this, but we are like literary geeks. And that's not mm-hmm. what this is. This is like personal development and being in community with other women. Yeah. You know, just having other women to say, gosh, this book really resonated with me because I'm really struggling with imposter syndrome. So we do that. I do challenges. I do a variety of different things in that community. And right now, it's kind of fun. I'm doing sort of a challenge for women in my community for Women's uh, History Month to mm-hmm. raise their hand and be willing to do a podcast with me, which in and of itself is pushing them to think courageously, like, do I really want to tell my story? So that's where we're heading. You know, that, like that. It, and that's giving a joy. people a platform and an opportunity. Love that, that they can push themselves to in a safe space as well. Exactly. Exactly. That. So, so that's what we're up to there. I want to also mention that you are a speaker as well. And I know I have recently, and I'm going to link to this in the show notes, and we're going to link to everything that we've talked about, where you can find Deb and all of the different pieces in the show notes. But I also want to link to the Light Beamer Symposium. So you are a featured speaker upcoming at the end of April. And I am so excited to hear you. Like I've known you and we've connected many times, but I am so excited to see you on stage and presenting. I am so honored to be doing this and I'm smiling. You can't see me because my camera's broken. (laughs) I'm smiling ear to ear and I feel really, really honored. I mean, this community means so much to me. And so to be asked by April to do this is pretty thrilling. And I'm going to share with you and your audience that my big goal for 2021 is to do a TED Talk and April knows this. So I'm hoping that this, you know, thinking courageously and what we've learned about it is something I can turn into a TED Talk. So, oh. It is. Oh my gosh. I'm a hundred percent in support of that. And I am excited to see you because I know that you can, you know, you're so authentic and you're so, there's an ease with you. And, you know, I know we've talked about this before, how we were instantly attracted to each other just because of that ease. Yeah. So I think that is really going to translate well for you on stage. So I'm excited to see you and be a part of it. And for everyone listening, the Light Beamer Storytelling Symposium will have a link. It's a, a day and a half of connecting, creating your story, stepping into your brave, listening to there's the host, April, and then three speakers who will be speaking with their experience and their stories. And one of them is Deb. So we'll link to that and have if anybody wants to join as well. Well, I just want to wrap up with that then and say thank you so much. This warmed me this morning and gave me so much to relate to and think about. And I think as well for the audience, you know, just really ticking down those different characteristics of a courageous woman 
you know, those are things that we can implement and think about for ourselves. So I want to thank you so much for making the time to be here with me today. We're going to put all your information so people can connect with you and follow up in the show notes as well. So fun. Thank you so much for having me. It's just a joy to be with you. And yes, warm and cozy. Thank you so much, Sandra. (laughs) Thank you. All right, everyone. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining me today. You can access more info in the show notes at thelonggamepodcast.net. If today's show connected with you in some way, please share it with your friends or hop on iTunes and leave me a review. Until next time, keep playing the long game.